Hello and welcome to The Most Best Podcast. I am your host, Zach Williams, and once again, I'm not doing last week's catchphrase. Well, actually, it won't be last week's catchphrase because there will be an episode in between this, which would have been the drunk movie review of Power Rangers. But the John Grizzly catchphrase, I'm not doing that, same as the Charlie Hunt one. I, I thought it was a good idea to give uh, free will to my co-host at the beginning of the episode, and it's just served to come back and bite me in the ass. So... As the final episode of season one of the Most Best Podcast, it is up to my co-host of the Mohost to save the segment. It's not it's a lot of pressure, but come up with a catchphrase. Uh, if it's good, we'll continue it. If it's offensive, I might just stop the podcast, let alone the segment. I wasn't expecting this. Um do I have to do it now? <laughs> <laughs> can I get back to you? That that could be it. Can I get back can, to can you? Can I get back to you? During the John Grizzly episode, we made about 30, 40 catchphrases throughout the episode, so if anything stands out and you'd like that to be the catchphrase, just let me know. Well, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit of a motif for my life, so yeah, can I get, <laughs> can I get back to you? That's it. <laughs> so, with me today in the Most Best Recording Studio, with our brand new Most Best actual microphone stands, I was just saying to our co-host before They're we started. Nice. They're very nice. They're quite professional looking, oh, aren't they? Them. Yeah, I've, I've got no use for one, but I might get one anyway. It it made me feel a lot better about what I'm doing. Uh, so essentially, the old microphone stands were just these like 10-inch desktop microphone stands that we'd stacked on a pile of books. And all our guests would have to crane their backs to lean in just to speak yeah. to them. But Gemma, my partner, has got me, for an early Christmas present, actual radio boom arm microphone stands. It is... um. It's kind of weirdly phallic, though, which I find just like... <laughs> <laughs> just this thing hovering around my mouth is a bit weird. Well, <laughs> you should be used to that. As a comedian. <laughs> uh, but with me today in the Most Best Studio, my co-host with the Mo Host is our 1,000th listener of the Most Best Podcast. Don't think I've forgotten it. Oh, yes. Rob Hughes. That's me. Hello. Hello. Hello, Rob. How are we today? I'm all right. I'm a bit um, bit fragile, a little bit hungover. I was in the pub for six and a half hours yesterday, which is... Misbehaving. Quite, uh, behaving reasonably well, but I was... Just caught up with friends, spent too much money, um, so I have this kind of deep feeling of guilt for having... <laughs> for having this close to Christmas. Uh, having allowed myself to enjoy myself for a day. Uh, that's not on, is it? But it, yeah, it was good, and um, but I do, I do feel a bit rough today. I've well, got a gig, gig tonight as well, so... Uh. We'll try to keep it nice and easy, keep all your energy for the gig tonight. Where are you gigging tonight? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've got a gig. It's um, it's not far away. I think it's up by Blackwood somewhere. Okay. So, yeah, not too far. You should be all right. Mm -hmm. The life of a comedian, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So, as we like to do, before we jump into the nitty gritty, we get to know Rob Hughes as a person, as well as an act. We like to break it down, make it nice and simple for the boys and girls. Uh, the twats, as we may <laughs> now be calling them as a listening audience, twat army. But we've got a little game we do in the Most Best Studio we call Dice to Meet You. Okay. Dice to Meet You. Um, dice to Meet You too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, as you were saying uh, before we recorded... You're a, although the 1,000th listener, yeah. you're not a very loyal podcast listener. I I'm hope not, I'm, I'm not, I'm fickle. I'm very incredibly fickle. I'm hoping just to podcast in general, not just my show. But 
would you feel confident if I said to you, as the co-host of the Mo-host, explain to the twats the rules of Dice to Meet You? Um, as far as I remember, you roll, you've got 20-sided dice. Correct. And you roll it, and the, the number that is showing, I have to describe myself in that number of words. Yeah, that is the rules of Dice to Meet You. Uh, so, will you be confident if I was to say, Rob Hughes, describe yourself in... I don't know why I asked you if you'd be confident in doing that. It seems like a really weird way to word it. To be I am. Um, I. I definitely wouldn't be. No. <laughs> I def- I'm not. The, I'm not the most confident of people, but I. I could probably manage to describe myself in a few words. Let's give it a try. Hopefully not like twenty, but yeah. it might be. So hopefully not one. <laughs> <laughs> what would be harder, twenty or one? Twenty. Because you've got to fill up those words. But then with one, you've really got to distill your essence as a person to just one word. I'd probably say donut. Donut? (laughs) Anyway, hopefully now I'll roll a one and then you can just (laughs) say donut. But let's roll the dice. Two. Fucking donut. (laughs) Fucking donut. (laughs) So, you're a fucking donut. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also a comedian. Yeah, of, of sorts. Of sorts. And that's something I'd like to to start with, to, to pick your brain about. But before we get into that, news just in, we have some faking news headlines to get through. Transplanted organ rejects Trump. Theresa May comes clean that the term Brexit actually means breakfast exit, which is how she refers to her anus. Coffee shop confuses customers by selling cup of coffee on their new menu. <laughs> Jasper Carrot publicly distances himself from his son Kevin after the Aldi Xmas riots of 2018, which left thousands dead. Brexit deal to be handled by Barber to ensure approval. The Oscars this year will be hosted by a balloon with a face drawn on it after studies reveal everyone has said something controversial at some point in their lives. <laughs> Did you say Jasper Carrot? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a weird thing about Jasper Carrot. When I was a student, me and <laughs> me and my mate Tom, we had we had this thing where every now and again one of us would just comment and go, I wonder what Jasper Carrot is doing now. <laughs> <laughs> uh publicly distancing himself from his son Kevin. But it was weird because um his daughter is a police officer. Jasper right? Carrot. Jasper Carrot's daughter is this. I, this is I not believe, Lucy Davis. I'm, not Lucy Davis. Yeah. <laughs> no, his other daughter. And um, my mate was at this passing out parade for new police graduates or whatever they call them. <laughs> and um, and Jasper Carrot was there. And uh, I remember him saying to me, "It was the one time in his life where he, he could say confidently that he knew what Jasper Carrot was." Doing. <laughs> So those are this week's fake news headlines. Um, the Most Best Podcast is worryingly plausible. <laughs> well, that's the age we live in. You can say anything on the internet mm. and someone is going to believe it as a fact. So let's just join in. Let's just add a bit of chaos into the world. That's it. But Rob Hughes, co-host with the Mo-host, Thousandth Listener. Mo-host. <laughs> thousand. That's really how to say Thousandth Listener yeah. and fucking donut. You're a comedian. <laughs> yeah. So, when did you get your start in comedy? When? Oh, God. It was a lifetime ago. About a decade ago now. Okay. Yeah. I, when I was in my early 20s, I wanted to do comedy. I, there was, at the Wharf Pub in Cardiff, they had um, a comedy night with an open mic spot. 
right? It wasn't an open mic night. It was just the one open mic spot. But different. the thing that was different then was I think pretty much anybody could have a go, whereas now obviously an open spot would be booked. Um, and I was going to have a go. And, I, and I'd written some material. And my, my fr- I told my friends I was going to have a go. And genuinely, uh, they, they said to me, a couple of them said to me, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You'll, you'll be terrible. Oh, wow. With and, supportive uh, friends. I know. I know. And I didn't do it. And I, to this day, I, I part, I kind of regret it. But then I, I, I think maybe it might have been a good thing because I was a little bit wayward back then. And I'm still a little bit wayward now. But, um, I think if I'd been successful, which I, I think, plausibly i could have been because it was a much easier industry back then and uh i think if i had access to a lot of money and success i probably wouldn't be sitting here now because i'd be dead but, um, <laughs> bit of a scallywagon here you thought you were was, up. yeah a little bit a little bit but um yeah so the, so i didn't do it anyway in my early 20s and then when my son was born i just i I don't know why. I just imagined a conversation where I was saying to him that, you know, you've got to chase your dreams. You've got to go for it in life. And then me saying um, that I'd always wanted to do comedy and him saying, well, why didn't you? And me saying, because I was too scared. Or and I thought, I can't do it. I've got to set the right example. So I did it for my kids, really, um, just so I could say that I did it. And uh, it went really well. That's really sweet. Yeah. I, I, like, not only just the the sentiment behind it but also that uh i don't mean to sound like sickeningly righteous oh uh, not at all but i I just love the fact that it was words you put in your son's mouth yeah yeah (laughs) convince you to do it like you convince yourself through the the medium of your future child yeah (laughs) and i i I, I, it's silly really because i was thinking well i could just not just not bring it up (laughs) 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 just don't tell him don't tell him i wanted to do it or just tell him i did do it lie to him <laughs> but i didn't i I did it and uh yeah it was great i absolutely loved my first gig i'd never felt a high like it. it was for years my whole life i'd been envious of people like who cared about stuff yeah who, yeah. who had a passion like and i just never and i, I you know I tried to learn guitar i tried to play piano and i'm just not i'm not committed to anything and um and i did comedy the first gig and i thought this is it this is my thing Found your niche. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wore off after a bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> after the first bad gig. So you've been going about a decade then? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Is it your full-time job now? God, or? no. God, no. And I, I don't think I'd want it to be, to be honest. Yeah? Yeah. I I like my job, I, my day job. I'm um, an operations manager for a charity. Oh, wow. And I really... I mean, it's hard work and it is stressful and there are days where I don't enjoy it at all. But for the most part, I think it's quite valuable work and I do enjoy it. So I'm not trying to escape from something. Yeah. Which I, I think a, a lot of people are in comedy. Um, I don't mean that's kind of disparagingly, you know, but if the, if the, if you're unhappy in your job, then obviously you'd want to do something else. Or maybe they've just got more drive, more ambition than me. I don't know. But um, I, I'm not full time. I, I do reasonably well, but if the gigs could be on my doorstep, <laughs> then, then yeah, I, I, I probably would like to do it full time. But I just get sick of the driving, man. I get I, so sick of it. I've brought this up on the podcast before. I'm an open spot, essentially. Right. Or I like to call it a weeping wound. <laughs> um, at the moment, like, I'm 
basically just doing open mic nights mm. and the occasional open spot that people will book me for. I'm really, really new to it. But I used to play in... I, st- I still play in bands, but I used to play in bands a lot more, a lot more actively. Yeah. Touring around a lot. You know, we've covered the entirety of the UK. And I used to enjoy it because I was with a group of friends. And the whole idea was it was just like a week away to go away and be naughty without consequence. Whereas as an adult with a full-time job and responsibilities and bills to pay and the loneliness factor of mm-hmm. it, because I don't drive, so I'd be on public transport. That's the one thing that is kind of worrying me about Mm-hmm. If I was to pursue stand-up further, is that I'd just spend a lot of times miserable on a National Express. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I think the reality is that you would. You would. It's, it's, I mean, it's some, sometimes it's quite nice. When I, when I first started doing, like, weekend club stuff, I was talking to someone about this yesterday, actually. It was great because I was in a hotel for the weekend. I think, oh, and you, you feel a bit of a, you know... Like yeah, you've, you've done well. You know, they're pay, they're paying for me to stay here. They're paying me to perform, and you feel like you've you've achieved. And but then, well, after you've done a couple, and you're just you feel like Alan Partridge, then <laughs> just, <laughs> just loitering around the hotel because you can't go out and do much in the day because you've got the gig in the night, and you haven't got friends there. I mean, there are other acts there, but ge- generally, I find the other acts don't want to hang out. Not with me, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, there was one one guy, Rob Collins, when we we gigged in Nottingham, and he spent the day with me. That was quite nice. But mo- usually they just say, "Well, I'll see you tomorrow night," and that's it. So these like weekends where you're in the same club yeah, every yeah, night. Yeah. So it it, yeah. it it is a fixed bill. Yeah. I'm saying that actually, Noel James as well. I I was in Birmingham with Noel James one weekend, and we hung out. I think we went to. His- <laughs> this is really dull information but we, we, went, we went to see Jason Bourne in the electric cinema oh amazing Berlin, Noel is, is a, a big film nerd yeah yeah he's a lovely guy Noel he's really good fun and we had a couple of drinks and there was a really weird moment afterwards um, not between us like <laughs> but, uh, we were both so hopped up on Jason Bourne <laughs> adrenaline that you just went out fighting people we, we went back to the hotel and we got in the lift and there was this dude and his girlfriend in the lift, and he was just proper staring at Noel. And I, Noel's quite a big guy, and he's, I, I, I find, I think he looks quite intimidating. And I don't mean like he's aggressive or anything, but he's he's quite big stature. Yeah, and he looks like he can handle himself. He's definitely a presence. Yeah, yeah, and um, and he was not intimidated by this young lad who was like proper staring at him in the lift and i was and he was just staring back at at this kid and i was just like oh god you could feel the tension and i thought he was going to kick right off in the lift (laughs) but uh it didn't thankfully i want to know what this guy's deal is he was a knob he was a proper knob he um yeah he he, he was in the bar with us then we didn't stay long not because we were scared but because the um the beer was really expensive. <laughs> so it was like six pounds for a bottle of Bex or something. Oh Shit. fuck that noise! Yeah. Yeah. That is where was that? I was in Premier Inn. Fucking hell, ludicrous! Yeah. The problem is, whenever I'm in a Premier Inn, it's because I've gone somewhere to go see a band. Yeah, yeah. So it'll always end up that me and my missus will go see a band and then we'll have a few drinks and then we'll go back to the Premier Inn and that's where they get you because yeah. you're a bit isolated. There may not be any bars near, but you still want drinks. Exactly, and they'll fleece you. They'll absolutely rinse you. Yeah, but yeah, the hotel life, man. It's not a um, weird one happened to me. Leaving this was Nottingham again, and I got up really early on the Sunday morning um, to get home 
I was going to go out for lunch with the family, and somebody threw a bottle, like a whis- whiskey-sized bottle, from very high up in the hotel. Jesus and, Christ. And um, I was just coming out of the car park, and it la- it smashed in front of my car about a foot away. Fucking hell. And, it, and that was like six o'clock in the morning. Were you in the same hotel as Motley Crue? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought it was a bit rock and roll, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, it's mad. Weird. I'd love to know the circumstances of why that happened. Yeah. What the fuck was going on in I, that room? I was it? curious, but I, I just floored it I, I in case they threw another one. Yeah, <laughs> get the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you've had some... I told you I do digress. <laughs> <laughs> you've had some turbulent times so far as, yeah. a, as a stand-up comedian. What would you say, if you could pinpoint it, your worst gig was? Um... I've had a few. The the last, yeah, my worst one was a uh, Nottingham Glee Club. Yeah, MC in. Yeah, I I fell apart. I I wasn't I wasn't a confident MC anyway. And I'd done some gigs for the Glee. I'd MC Birmingham. I'd MC Oxford. And I'd done the one night of this weekend on the Friday in Nottingham, and it, it went really really well. And I thought, oh, you've you've been overthinking this. You've been worrying too much, and this is easy. And uh, I went out the next night, and I thought I was going to mix it up and not, not do so much material. But they were there's same room, um, to a different audience, and I absolutely bombed. Wow! Died on my ass. Um, I felt almost tearful. Honestly, it was horrific. Bloody hell! Absolutely horrific. And this episode uh, so far is not painting a great picture of the life of a stand-up <laughs> comedian. It's, it's not like that for everyone. So the others are funny. <laughs> but no, I mean, it was my fault. It was my fault because I hadn't really kind of done the work and I wasn't, I think I was probably a bit hungover as well. <laughs> okay, so this is something I would like to pick your brain about because, uh, where are we? 14 days time. Yeah. Not, it's not 14 days time at all because it's on a Wednesday. Completely did the maths wrong there. Uh, but not next Wednesday, the Wednesday after. I'm emceeing my first show. Okay. Never done it before, as I say. I'm pretty much just an open spot. Have you got any sage advice you could hand over to a, a handsome young comedian like myself on yeah. how to, to well, fucking emcee a show? Yeah, like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> no, no, do it. Do it. Um, yeah, remember that you don't have to be the funniest person in the room. Yeah, yeah. I, I never am. Um, <laughs> well, somebody said that to me in Birmingham when I was MC in there, and uh, I, I said to the audience, I, I said the M- the MC's job is not to be the funniest person in the room. And somebody showed you, you're doing it really well. <laughs> <laughs> Cunt. Yeah, fucking hell, man. <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny. I like I like that. Um, sage advice for MC in just don't. Don't worry. Just talk to talk to people. It doesn't have to be hilarious. Um, if if it's not working, move on. Yeah. Um, to have some stuff prepared. I mean, I know it is about kind of being in the moment, but have at least have a loose structure. Yeah. yeah. What you're going to talk about. Um, yeah. I d- it's, a lot of it is luck with emceeing. I mean, if what they they call the comedy gods, but if if you ask someone what they do for a living and a lot of times people tell you they're a gynecologist or something like that and they're almost certainly lying um but if people people give you like good things that you can work with but then other people say i work in a bank or something and it's just dull like i i had a really good one um i i only spoke to two audience members right 
And the first guy, he said he was a scientist. And I, I said, that is really vague. I said, <laughs> I said you're going to have to narrow it down. He said, oh, well, I'm, I'm in, involved in research. And I said, what, what kind of research? And he said, um, cancer research. And I said, I said, well, have you cured it yet? <laughs> and he said, no. I said, well, what are you doing sitting here? <laughs> and, uh, and part of me was thinking, oh, this is too, this is too risky, but it went down really well. People saw it for what it was, it was it, you know, and, um, yeah. And so he says, what are you doing sitting here? There's people dying out there. <laughs> and, um, uh, then I spoke to the next guy I spoke to was a gym instructor. And I mean, talk about polar opposites. And I said, uh, I said, well, these these are quite kind of diverse careers, aren't they? You're he's a, a scientist, he's a in cancer research, and you're a you're a you're a gym instructor. So we, we've got we've got brains, and uh, I'm not I'm not saying you're not intelligent, but you're probably not as intelligent. As <laughs> um, yeah, just talk to people, have fun, don't worry. So I've only recently had my first opportunity to interact with an audience member yeah uh, against my will it was a bit of a trial by fire in mike powell's gig that he runs in the grange in cardiff oh yeah yeah uh, grange for a laugh yeah i was i was doing the open spot there and the setup was it is a pub it's at the back of a pub so we they had the speakers and the microphone and there was in the corner of what would be the performance area a table yeah and this fucking family uh two grown-up <laughs> children <laughs> Oh, isn't there his fucking family? It's fucking happy families. No, uh, like you see, like two grown-up kids, mm-hmm. older parents came in after put all their Christmas shopping down, ordered food and loads of drinks, and just decided to have a massive loud conversation in essentially what was the stage of this comedy show. Okay, uh, but they came in as I was just about to go up and do my ten minutes, so I had to work through that for the first time. It's annoying. It it, it was very rude, but. In all fairness, I was then very rude in turn to them. So I've I've got no filter when it comes to that, right? I did um, a charity gig um, a few months ago now with Cole Howarth and Stefan Evans. Funnily enough, Cole Howarth was on the bill of that green show. Was he? Yeah, oh, he's a lovely guy and Steph. Um, no, none of us were getting paid. Right, it was completely voluntary. Um, it was a friend of mine who'd asked me to do it, and could I arrange some? friends and they were kind enough to step up this big room is the um pageant rooms in panath and the audience now bearing in mind that we weren't getting paid and we were just giving up our free time they were not listening they were all just like yap 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 and it's all like a few hundred kind of buffet seating there's no we're not buffet seating cabaret seating sorry hungry. buffet seats would be great <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely have a buffet seat um and they were just yapping and uh, Cole had um, pushed through it, and Steph had pushed through it, and I was—I just—I was having none of it because I—and the, someone had said beforehand, "Look, the the comedians are here f- for your benefit. It's better if you listen to them, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you'll enjoy it more if you pay attention." And I—I I got through kind of halfway through a joke, and um, they were still yapping. And I don't even know where it came from. It wasn't like I chose to do it. I just snapped. I just went, fucking shut up! <laughs> I just screamed at them. And uh, they did. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I've got no filter when it comes to things like that. I just 
blow. <laughs> it's understandable. You know, a lot of work does go into not only writing material, but writing yeah. it and getting it to a point where you're happy to take it out in front of people. Yeah, yeah. And I guess a lot of people do just consider it that, oh, someone's going to get up and tell jokes. So. Oh, mate, there's some fucking idiots out there. I I did a gig in, I don't know, West Wales somewhere for Owen Griffkin, I think it was, with comedy comedy legend Jimmy Cricket. I don't know if Jimmy Cricket. Do you know Jimmy Cricket? Wasn't he the dude from the old Disney cartoons, like the moral conscience that would appear that's, on people's uh, shoulders? That's Jiminy ah, Cricket. I was close. But yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Cricket was um, sort of eighties, early seventies, late seventies, early eighties. Uh, it was really good acting. He still is. Um, I was on with him, and well, this guy came up to me afterwards. And bear in mind, I'd opened. I did like a twenty to thirty minute opening spot, and he said, um, "He said, oh, that was quite funny. Was that a, was that your first time?" Just like fuck off, mate. Yeah. There's, I, there's there's ignorance and there's ignorance. Like no one's going to let you do like twenty to thirty minutes for your first time at a pay a gig where people are paying fifteen to twenty pounds to get in. I don't understand the fucking bravado of people who will take it upon themselves to go up to someone who has just given a performance, uh, which is basically just a display of their wit Mm. and their way of thinking comedically about situations, and then come up to them and off-the-cuff try pull some funny fucking line on them and not expect to get fucking... I don't think he was trying to be funny. Oh, really? I I think he genuinely was asking me. He was just being an asshole. (laughs) I'm thinking, you're uh, you're doing a fairly good job of interacting with another human being. Is it your first time? (laughs) Oh, God. Just, yeah, I mean, you've got to shrug it off. Shit like that, but what a dork. (laughs) (laughs) Dork, I love that word. Okay, so let's look at it positively then because i've only ever actually i've got nothing good to say (laughs) i'll cook something out of you don't worry i have only ever seen you perform once okay where was that uh it was at rough as and i don't know if this is (laughs) something that is uh that was peter andre i was gonna say a regular part of your set but uh, your interview with peter andre yeah uh care to tell the the good twats at home about that um what is there to say i was I was experimenting with this idea. <laughs> yes, I'd, you were. I'd, the the original incarnation of Peter Andre, it had a couple of different um, manifestations. It was just a, a mask on the back of my head. <laughs> and and I had this shirt with stuffed arms and gloves sellotaped to the cuffs. And I would wear that on backwards. And I would... The show was... Uh, the set was called The Imagined Memoirs of Peter Andre. And I was... <laughs> <laughs> Weird as it sounds. Um, and I would just talk as Peter Andre for sort of 10, 15 minutes um, in a hopefully humorous way. Some of it was funnier than others. Um, yeah, and then I got really into it and I ended up making a Peter Andre doll, uh, like a Guy Fawkes doll. That was fucking terrifying. Because yeah. the whole night it was in the corner of the room, quite visible. And yeah. I was like, when is that? coming into play tonight. Uh, it would have been creepy if it never came on stage and for some reason there was just this Peter Andre guy Fawkes in the corner have, um, of the room. I would have brought him with me if I'd known. But um, not, not that he really had con- contributed much. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's surprisingly quiet uh, when the cameras are off. Um, yeah, I, I made this doll 
and it had a rucksack stuffed into it so I could wear him as a backpack. <laughs> and I didn't wear him as a backpack that night, did I? I think he may have been sat he, on he your sat knee. sat on it, yeah, yeah. He's like a proper ventriloquist dummy that night. Um, yeah, I, I wore him on my back and I quite liked it. The, the trouble was, it's, it's a very static performance. He's just still and he just like hangs there and... It's it is it's weird. It's it's comedy, but not as we know it. So you would, when it's behind you, would you literally ask a question or make a point, then turn round and have no, Rodri no, face the audience? No, when when you saw it as an interview, that's the only time I did it in that format. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think that's the last time I used him. Um, I it was a monologue. It okay. A, yeah, sort of um, talking talking about his life and his marriages and <laughs> the rest of it and there's one there's one point which always did get a laugh is that if, if it's not too tedious for you uh this is in peter andrews uh if it's not too tedious i'm now going to recite the name of every television program i've ever been involved <laughs> in and uh and it's a, there's a great little segue and a you know apologies to peter i'm sure he's a lovely guy but um he's listing all of the shows he was involved in it's like Katie and Peter laid bare. Uh, Katie and Peter down under. Katie and Peter stateside. Katie and Peter African adventures. Katie and Peter Jordan and Peter, and then the, uh, just jumps to a uh, Peter Andre going it alone. <laughs> <laughs> In all fairness, I I love that bit because yeah. that's the beauty of Rafazina. There's a lot of people trying out new stuff, but yeah. I, I'm really sure you closed it that night, and I'm lucky I stuck about because it, I was just crying the entire time because it was it's so fucking off the wall and it is weird it's definitely it's not um conventional comedy i i like to do stuff like that i love messing around i do a couple of different things i do like bob ramsey the psychic um you were telling me <clears throat> and i hope i'm not telling tales no, no, no. Cut it, but before we were recording you were telling me that uh, a bob ramsey movie is in the works yeah well, i thought you could a, a short movie <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, we've been filming it forever, for a couple of years now, and it's been, I won't say a struggle, but it's, the logistics are difficult, just getting the right people at the right place at the right time, a couple, you, you organise it and then it pisses down with rain and you can't shoot, and then no one's free then for another two months or three months, so yeah, logistically it's been quite hard, but the the actual I've been very very lucky. I've had some great people kind of working involved with it who've um done sort of bit parts. Um, Bubbins is in it. Uh, Charlie Webster, Sarah Breeze, Bethan Roberts, um, it was Karen Sherrard, Dan Thomas. It's yeah, I'm really. There's a lot of talent in that film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been very lucky that people have been kind enough to sort of give up their time um, and their skill. Uh, I'm racking my brains in case I'm going to offend anyone. <laughs> <They're not laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 been a long process and I've really, really enjoyed doing it. We've pretty much finished it now. It's just kind of editing. Yeah. And um, then uh, off to Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> and were any film festivals or? I don't know. We're going to see what it's like at the end. Yeah, um, we're talking about kind of submitting it as a pilot, maybe. But then, obviously, the pressure's on to write more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I, know, I am incredibly lazy, so 
Yeah, but, you're preaching to the choir with that one. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but but Bob Ramsey started as a stand-up show. Um, he just went on stage, did a bit of kind of palm reading, psychic drawing, um, channel, he used to channel dead comedians. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. And I mean, we, I mean, this sounds absolutely mental, but I started to resent him because he was getting more bookings than me. Oh, he, really? Even though I am him. <laughs> <laughs> And people would like say, "Oh, can you do a spot here?" But can you do it as Bob? And I don't know. I felt weirdly hurt by that. That is the oddest form of self hatred I've ever yeah. heard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if there's a way to hate yourself, I'll find it. <laughs> One thing that we've incorporated into the Most Best Podcast is a question and answer segment. Except there's only one question supplied by my good friend Captain Chris Waters. Who is currently stationed in Cyprus with his job. Uh, he's halfway through his six months there now. His limbs are all intact. If you've listened to the Chris Waters episode, you'll get that reference. You're looking Sorry. at me, Rob, like you haven't listened to that episode. <laughs> uh, so it's time. I'm a busy man. <laughs> of course, you've got characters to hate yeah. that you've made up yourself. Uh, but on that note, it's time to answer Captain Chris's big question. Okay. So Captain Chris would like to know, sent all the way over from sunny Cyprus via the magic of the internet, what would your top three policies be if you became leader? Uh, He says, in brackets, the less serious the better. Just in case you had some crazy out there political views that would now come to light through the podcast. Leader of what? (laughs) He didn't specify, so I guess that's co-host choice. Um, If I was a political leader... Oh my god! I see. I, this, if if I wish you'd emailed me, I'll, um, <laughs> I like putting people on the spot. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Catch for it. Um, three policies. Oh, don't be a dick. That's a strong policy. Yeah. Um, I I think I'd have a no money day, where you, yeah. No, no money, and oh God, I sound like some weird fascist now. So, no money and no TV. Thing. Okay, let's let's elaborate a bit further. On no money, does that mean that uh, everything is free trade, or that there's no trade whatsoever? You don't, you don't spend any money. But can you it, can like bartering take place uh, on that day? Then I don't know. I haven't had time to. <laughs> Do I out the creases? <laughs> it's, so it's basically like a purge, except one day a year, everyone has to sit at well, home. They can't spend money. Oh, right. Okay. But does that mean by spending money? Technically, uh, I live in a rented house. Right. So am I spending money just by existing within this house in this no, day? No. No. What if my gas and electricity bill came out on that day? But I have to then go into arrears with my gas no, and electricity no, company. <laughs> no non-essential money. Okay. To be spent. What I'm saying is, however you want to do it. I like to promote interaction because yeah. I've got two young kids and it's depressing sometimes because not having kids isn't depressing, <laughs> um, but it depresses me that they lack the ability to interact with each other sometimes or the, or the inclination that they, I think with the way we are now, we're as consumers, 
This is good. This is about. He wanted something funny, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is interesting. I like this. Oh God, I could go for a weird ramble. Um, yeah, I think we 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 we're too reliant on like entertainment, yeah, and th- people to do things for us. And I just think the irony of you saying that on a podcast is not lost on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. But but we're interacting. Yeah, we're interacting. Um. Like for, like I went out with mates last night, right? And it was kind of at, at first it was a little bit weird because we we don't spend time as people engaging with well I I don't a lot um, engaging with one another, and I think that's something to be lamented. No, I understand completely. That was one of the uh, first impetuses for me to start a podcast. Mm. Is that I would only ever see people, for example, on the comedy scene at gigs and at night so mm. you know you did a quick five minutes hey, hey how's it going yeah. to people uh so you know i knew people within the comedy scene but i didn't actually know people but i tell you that's a, that's a good point one of the things that i do if you want to say something positive about comedy one of the things that i do enjoy is the social side of it yeah sort of meeting with friends i i went to see um the death hilarious work in progress the other night and I, Jamie McGowan was there. Haven't seen him for ages. It was nice. Liam Schuitz was there. Um, obviously, the Death Hilarious were there. <laughs> Would help. <laughs> Char- Charlie Webster, crazy Charlie Webster. Charlie Webster's amazing. Oh, he's brilliant. He's um, he had this new bit that is just. I mean, I hope it, I I won't say what it is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I hope that he develops it more because it was so funny. Um, Luke Smith was there. He was absolutely sublime. Have you seen Luke Smith? Uh, is he Frank Foucault? Frank Foucault, yeah. Foucault, yeah, yeah. And, I've seen uh, his clip uh, of him. I think it's at the comedy store when he's doing his Missing Animals yeah, magic yeah, show. Yeah. That is one of the funniest bits I've ever seen. That's yeah. fucking incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I've i got to be honest. I'm, I'm quite sort of jealous of um, Luke because his. I think his brain is just hardwired in a different way, um, in a good way. But he's he's just so creative, really incredibly creative, and I think I'm I'm reasonably funny as a comedian, but I don't think I could ever write like the thing. I don't know, maybe I, on the uh, episode I did with James Dunn, he was saying that him and Luke started around the same age uh, at the mm. same time because they both started when they were like eighteen, I re- nineteen. I or remember. Maybe even I remember. I th- I may have emceed James Dunn's first gig. Really? Maybe. I'm not 100% sure about this, or certainly a, a very early gig, as Bob Ramsey. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Okay, as Matt, who was there? God, the, going back a bit now, but there was, Luke might have even been there. James James was there, and Matt Reese, and Matt Reese was quite new um, at the time, and uh, <laughs> I remember that really well, because... When I was doing Bob Ramsey, I used to wear, you know, 3D glasses that look like sunglasses? Yeah. Yeah. I had a pair of those on, and Bob used, Bob would wear these glasses. And um, these assholes from Glamorgan Cricket Club or something like this came in. Just young lads, they were a cricket, student cricket team, I think, very full of themselves. And uh, he, he said in the most kind of vitriolic and spiteful way, we were all having fun, and he said, why have you got those glasses on? You look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and uh, did he uh, pick up on the fact that it was a character bit? Or I think so. Yeah, he, he was just being an ass. And I said, uh, 
in Bob Ramsey's voice, and they said, uh, to compensate for your one-dimensional personality, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking headshot. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And that is the beauty of No Money Day, getting <laughs> pulling it yeah, back yeah, on topic. We've still yeah. only done two policies. Uh, but no, I understand what you mean about the, the social aspect of it. Yeah. Um, like this, I mean, before now, I, I think we've only ever really messaged a few times I'm, back and forth on the internet. I'm going to change it. It's not No Money Day. No Gadgets Day. No Gadgets Day. Yeah. Keep the money. Go to pub. Yeah. Yeah. Go out. Spend and, what you want. And spend it creating memories with the people yeah. you love. But no gadgets. Put that phone away. <laughs> Get off that iPad. I can imagine. It's... Hide that vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to make the next point I was about to make very weird. So I, say, I can imagine it's quite odd. As you say, you've got two young sons. Yeah. And they have been born into the age of the gadget. Yeah. They, you know, they don't know differently pr- from... practically cyborgs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm... 29 now and i still when i was a kid when i was young young i remember it was always going outside and playing and yep. interacting and going knock for your mates all this was fields yep orange fields <laughs> as far as the eye can see uh but then that you know there was obviously that certain point and it was pretty much when i became pubescent mm. that we started using computers a lot more. i i've been pubic now for <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, you know, and the age of MSN Messenger, and that's where I did all my uh, interacting with girls at yeah, yeah. on MSN, because I had the confidence to do it on yeah. MSN, which means then in real life, I had no confidence when it came to speaking to the Terrasex. I, I, di- I didn't even have a landline, mate. Didn't, didn't even have a landline? Didn't even have a landline. I remember <laughs> there was a TV show when I was a kid called Swap Shop, which was hosted by Noel Edmonds, and you could phone up and... Like swap things, <laughs> so you know, I've I've got a box of Lego and I want to swap it for a scooter or something like that. And kids would do this, and they'd have guests on, and you could speak to the guests. Um, you might see it on YouTube. There, there was a very famous one where Matt Bianco were on there, and somebody rang Saturday morning TV, and someone rang up and said Matt Bianco fucking assholes or something wank or something. Like that. <laughs> um, anyway, I I that wasn't me. But um, I remember wanting to join in desperately, and I used to envy these little kids who had landlines. And I used to, I was quite weird, quite poor as a kid, not not to get the violins out. But um, I I used to imagine kids just the luxury of being able to watch swap shop, swap shop, and just sit with a phone. And, uh, <laughs> and I went to the phone box, and it was the it's the saddest moment I've got really. I went to the phone box with a big pile of twos, <laughs> two best pieces. <laughs> And I got the wrote down the number, and I phoned Swap Shop, and I was just putting in two after two after two after two, and I was just on hold. And then eventually, I ran out of money, and I didn't get get to speak to anyone. That's fucking heartbreaking, <laughs> man. I I always used to uh, when I was a little kid. Remember Smash It's magazine? Yeah, yeah. They always used to have a, a fan art page, and yeah, yeah I, 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 you know, I've always been kind of artistic, so I always used to draw. These really lopsided pictures of Will Smith and send them in, <laughs> and then every week I'd never see my artwork in there. So that why was, were they lopsided? Uh, because I was like eight. Oh, okay, just technically not as advanced enough to draw a portrait. So you get like, was it always Will Smith? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I don't know what my childhood fascination was with Will Smith, um, but you know, it kind of had a Toxic Avenger kind yeah. of vibe, like one eye up here, yeah, one yeah. eye down here. Um, hey, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
don't be a dick. No gadgets, Dave. What's the third policy? Oh, the third policy. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I will. I'll get back to you. <laughs> as, like, as we go on, I'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. So a few weeks back, I posted on the most best Facebook page. I think it was mm-hmm. uh, an explanation, and it was also kind of covered in the solo episode about how jaded I've become mm-hmm. almost with doing the podcast. Not that I don't enjoy doing it, but it's a lot of work as a one-man band, as it were. Obviously, yeah. I have my, my fantastic co-hosts every week to help bring the mirth, but when it comes to editing, uploading, uh, social media, getting the word out there, that's all on me. And on top of working full-time and trying to book stand-up gigs and rehearsing and playing with my band... Basically, I kind of burnt myself out. But you, Rob, my co-host with Mohus, were nice enough to give me a message of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And I, if it's okay with you, I'd like to discuss that a bit further, too, you know. Yeah, sure, yeah. How you deal with the burnout as it is. Hard drugs. Hard <laughs> drugs and <laughs> loose <Are> you... women. <laughs> the program. Just um, smoke crack and watch loose women. I think, well, as, as I was saying to you, I recently I took some time out from comedy. And it wasn't really a conscious decision i wasn't like i'm taking six weeks out i just stopped yeah pretty much and i didn't look for gigs i didn't ask for gigs um and it allowed me to kind of just step back and in that time i really kind of reflected over or about what i wanted from comedy and because i it's very easy to get lured, to lured, get lured into a place where you're feeling bitter, resentful, angry. We're all human beings, and you, you know, they're normal responses. You know, um, a friend of mine won the lottery recently. Wow! Yeah, and big win. Big fucking hell! Six figures, bastard! Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I, <laughs> I mean, it was weird because he he was he was at this thing last night, and I actually didn't invite him. It was, but it was only like a last minute, and somebody else said, "Oh, they've they've invited him." And I, so I messaged him. And I said, "Look, the, the reason I didn't invite you, I just, I said, I know this sounds mad, and I know that we're friends, but I just didn't want you to think I was like after anything." <laughs> 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 well, we've been friends for years, like since we were kids, and I said I didn't want to, I didn't want you because we don't see each other very often these days. None of, none of your friends do as, as you get older, generally. Um, but I said, I, I didn't want you thinking I was someone who was coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, exactly. But, Popping out of the blue. Yeah. Like, oh, we're all going for drinks if you want to come along yeah. with your yeah, six yeah, figures. Yeah. But <laughs> First I, round's on you. I mean, I mean, to be fair, he was very nice about it. He said, oh, don't be daft. And um, he came and it was fine. But uh, yeah, but I, when when I first heard it, my my first feelings weren't like, Oh, good for him. It was like jealousy, real jealousy. And I was just like, oh, stop feeling it. It's such negative thoughts. And they, in comedy, I think you can get into that. You can fall into that trap. Um, there are very nice people in comedy, but there's also a lot of bitchiness and there's a lot of snideness. Um, you know, it's human nature to an extent, I guess. Have you ever have you done a comedian car share yet? No, I was gutted. Uh, last Sunday, yeah. uh, I was offered a gig. I believe it was, it was either in Plymouth or Portsmouth with Matt Goss, Sandro Ford. Right. Uh, I can't remember who else was there. But they messaged me on the Saturday going, spots open, yeah. £10 in for petrol, yeah. gigs yours. 
I had band practice between half two and half five, and they were leaving at four. Right. So it would have been my first ever comedian car chat. And with, you know, I couldn't yeah. make a better bunch. I love those guys. But unfortunately, I had to miss out. So, no, not yet. There's, there's a lot of hate on a comedian car chat. Not always, not always, but it, it's almost like a waiting game. Who's going to be the one to start slagging someone off? Right? <laughs> and because I, I remember when I first started, and I, I'm not into that really, to be honest. And I'd prefer not to do that, but it's hard not to sometimes, as when, especially when people around you are doing it as well. And I remember being in a car with comics, and I was the open spot, and. I said they were all kind of pro acts, and I, I, I said, "Oh, I, I don't like slagging people off, and I, I'd, I'd rather not kind of criticise other acts." And uh, the comic who was in the car in the front with me said, "Well, is prepare, be prepared for some very quiet car journeys then, <laughs> <laughs> because it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a weird thing where that's what I don't understand about comedy." where we're all different we all do different things i mean my comedy like i I say i love luke smith but my comedy is very very different to his um so i wouldn't i should try to what i've realized is it's not good to compare it isn't good to come like a buddha (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so I shouldn't. I wouldn't compare my comedy with his, and is is his better because it's then it's not really quantifiable in the same way because they're just so different. That's what I've never yeah. understood about comedy competitions. Obviously, it's a yeah, sub, yeah. it's subjective. So I don't, I don't get competitions to be honest. So. I, you know, it's obviously I can understand that there are you know audience laughs that mm-hmm. they go off, but also like criteria that they want to meet. But surely, by setting down a criteria that the judge wants to meet, it's not the best comedian that wins. It's the comedian who fits their criteria that they're looking for surely uh well i've never judged a competition so i don't know what their criteria is i i would hope that the defining criteria the, the most significant one would be the audience response um the the audience will tell you whether it's any good <laughs> really um but yeah certainly if it's subjective there's a lot of a lot of very very successful comics have never won competitions and I'm sure they've entered them, but yeah, it's it's, it's a weird thing. But it's, to come back to my point about um, getting perspective, so I took took a bit of time out, and I thought about where I am with comedy, and I thought I'm actually not that far from where I want to be anyway. Um, I I would like to gig a little bit more, but I don't have huge a huge amount of time, so I couldn't gig a lot more anyway. I certainly I don't want to be doing like two or three gigs midweek. That would just burn me out. Yeah, but I, you know, a couple of nice gigs every weekend would be ideal. Um, but as I say, I'm I am quite lazy. I'm not very proactive, so I don't I don't actually ever like apply for gigs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's no wonder I don't get many. Um, the, yeah, the, I mean, the last gigs I've been booked for, people have asked me to do them. So I, but you know, you can't really rely on that. Um, that's but, as I was say, that's one thing I've uh, not brought myself to start doing but is it you you know in the early stages to get the gigs you've got to be out there and basically essentially asking people or just you know interacting with people to let them know that you are available for their open spots yeah guys i am available for your open spots book me i mean i mean i I, i've been i've I've been doing it for a long time Mm. so when, when i started i getting an open spot wasn't a challenge 
Yeah. Because th- there weren't so many people applying for them. And if you were half decent, they'd put you on. Um, I, from what I can gather, it's a little tricky and more people are applying for the one spot. So, yeah, it's going to be a bit more challenging. But, yeah, you've got to put yourself out there. I mean, I, I don't, but then I'm... I've been doing it for quite a long time, so I'm re- reasonably established. Yeah. So, um, I'm sure I'd probably get. I'd, um, I'd hope I'd get more gigs if I. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Oh, I wonder what's been said about there's, you in car shares over the uh, years. There's 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 also a touch of the George McFly, isn't there? It's like, I don't know if I could deal with that kind of rejection. Yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, I I have applied for gigs and not got them before, and that's not very nice, but. It is really, isn't it? Uh, did you feel that the time you subconsciously took away from comedy did give you that sense of perspective that you were looking for? It did give me a sense of perspective. Um, as I say, I I kind of realised that I'm pretty happy with the position I'm in, save for a few more gigs. Um, and what what I did this sounds really naff, right? But I I'd become so obsessed with the destination that I'd forgotten to enjoy the journey. That sounds like the most stereotypical, like positive message yeah, yeah, Instagram yeah. post. Yeah. Like, and that's, like a minion in the corner yeah. of it. It's, it's, a, it's a meme, isn't it? Yeah, totally. But, but, uh, but it is, it's absolutely true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Um, I mean, f- it's, it sounds a bit arrogant to say I'm, I'm fairly unique, but my my position in comedy is is a little bit different to most people because I don't have huge ambitions. My 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 ambitions have always been fairly modest. What I'd really want to do in comedy more than anything is just write. Yeah, just to write comedy and write scripts and things like that. But I mean that's a very competitive industry as well. Um, I do like performing, but I don't I don't love performing enough for it to to be dr- so driven that like people when i used i used to i used to and i i drive i think nothing of driving to cornwall and back in a night but now i'm like unless you're paying me pretty well that's not <laughs> that's not happening you're gonna uh, sweeten the deal yeah so you are and i'm glad to hear it content with the the position you're in <laughs> i am i am quite content uh and i th- i've got to be honest part of it is cbd oil yeah, yeah. I started using CBD oil. Um, for anybody who doesn't know what that is, it's uh, cannabis. Um, what? What? It's, uh, it's, it's an oil extracted from cannabis. It's I, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, it is the non-psychoactive chemical uh, within weed because there's yeah they they they've removed the THC, which, which is which the is the psychoactive, psychoactive. element. I, I think the one I've got has got a trace of THC, but it's, I mean, I there's you get none of the weirdness with it. <laughs> you, you get all of the calm, but none of the anxiety about someone's going to kick your door in. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't smoke weed. Yeah. To be honest, am I allowed to talk about this? It, yeah, uh, of course. Um, I, I, I can't because it's. I, I don't have the, the, the mental strength. <laughs> it, it, it would just take me to a dark place, and it's, it's just not good for me. So I don't. But it's good that you recognise that. Yeah, and also with my um my job, so I, oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but um, as you say, CBD uh, CBD oil is the the calming, relaxing side of it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's 
I, I, I don't know if if everyone, if people are aware of this or not, but I suffered, and st- still do to an extent, with like anxiety um, in my everyday life, but also, I mean, on stage especially. I mean, I. It, it amazes me to this day that I even got up and did it. Yeah. Um, and I remember Dan Thomas saying to me, just, you know, keep doing it. It becomes as natural as breathing. And I mean, it's, it's never quite gone, become that natural to me, but certainly I can cope with it now. And the C, but even before I was using CBD oil, I was really kind of anxious on stage. And I do this thing. If, if you've ever watched me, I know you haven't, you said you've only seen me at the, at the rough as, um, but if I'm on a stage where there's any kind of room for movement, I'm like a caged animal. I'm just pacing up and down the stage. And I try to tell myself, don't do it, don't do it. But I think deep down, I'm unconsciously looking for a way out. Yeah. As, um, but I know I, I can't leave the stage until I'm, well, I could, but it'd be a bit weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, ah, uh, oh, fuck it, I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, and I, I would get really anxious and I. I remember doing, I've done open spots at the comedy store. Still haven't cracked that nut. <laughs> but uh, that's that's going to happen. Um, and my mouth was so dry. Like, have you ever had the dry mouth on stage? I I don't think so, no. But Mate, I, I, I up until now, I've been of the school of, oh, I'll just have a few beers before I go up. It's so. the worst thing. It's, it's like somebody's stuffing cotton wool into your mouth all of the moisture is gone all the saliva is gone your tongue just feels really fat and i I remember doing a gig that happened to me at the comedy store um a couple of times it's happened to me and i'm doing this kind of licking my lips and i and i look like i'm gurning (laughs) dropped an e or something yeah but the cbd oil has really just chilled me out and I, i i did a gig with mark herman um a couple of weeks ago and i did about 40 minutes and there was one of the things for me that makes me more anxious is like to have stark lighting at a gig. I like spotlights, yeah, and, you know, to for the audience to be dimmed out a bit. But this, they, it was all for this very brightly lit room. Sort of hal- is it halogen? <laughs> <laughs> kind of strip lighting, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, and I didn't feel anxious at all. Incredible, because and I'm I'm sure it's the CBD oil. Thing. Would you say then, uh, as your third policy, <laughs> I've, got, as... I've got a suitcase full here. You've got <laughs> forty pound a bottle. Um, okay, so would as your third policy, uh, you say push not the agenda. You know, like not yeah, legalize it, man, but more open access to because I know they are legal, but it still seems quite shunned or frowned upon. Um, things like CBD products. I, t- I tell you what. Now you've said this, you open the floodgates. My I'm not going to say anything compromising, but what I would say for my third policy, I, w- I would introduce wider access to prescription drugs. Okay. Um, think because people, if people want to relax, generally it's alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I drink too much. I drink way too much, right? And it, it can be a problem at times. <laughs> and it's, but I would like to do other things, but I can't. But I, I'd love to be able to walk into a chemist and say, "I oh, can I have a um, couple of Valium." Yeah, and because I, I'm, I'm stressed, I'm tense, I want to unwind. 
But I also don't feel like taking my shirt off and punching someone. Yeah, I, I don't want to get pissed. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm, so that would be definitely my third policy. I knew we'd get it. You said you'd get back to us. <laughs> yeah. uh, still waiting on the catchphrase. We, we can do that another time. No, that is the catchphrase. You're sticking with that yeah, as yeah, the catchphrase. Yeah. You'll get back to us. Yeah. Ah, see, there we go. Well, we've covered all the bases. We've got the catchphrase. We've broken some fake news headlines. We've got to know you as the fucking donut that you are. Uh, so the one thing that's left to do is uh, any plugs that you'd have. Uh, you know, where can people where can people <laughs> find you online? Have you got gigs lined up? Have you got stuff um, online people can check out? Do you know what? In my diary, I'm I'm terrible at PR. In my diary, I've got gig and then the person's name, whoever I'm gigging for, <laughs> and I no other information. So I yeah, I've got some gigs. I've no idea where they are. Um, I took. I talk about my little boy. That's a very good point. We haven't brought that yeah. in. Is it? Is it? Are you? Have we got time? By all means, we've got okay. all the time in the world. Yeah. Um, You're going to plug the fruit of your loins. Yeah, El- Elliot Rabato. He uses his mum's name because um, he says it's more fancy, <laughs> and I can't argue with that. I no, no, it's good. I like it. But yeah, I mean, I'm so proud of him. He's ten years old. He's done four gigs, I think now. Amazing. Yeah, there's, there's there's not a lot of opportunity for him to do gigs because <laughs> yeah, of course, <laughs> the nature of yeah. the industry. But yeah, he's he's got a video on YouTube which is just Elliot Rabato, um, and it's it's good. And I think there's a there's a newspaper article on him as well. I did read the article. Did you? Yeah, you know, yeah. You, your boys get impressed. Did like, you watch it? I video? haven't seen the video. No. no. Watch the video, man. It's funny. We he got we got a call from Britain's Got Talent. Really? Yeah. Um, after they got in touch uh, through Lorna um, because they saw it on the tram shed, uh, the the tram shed website, I think, or something. They they watched his video anyway. Did he do the howl, mate? He did howl. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. And I, you were talking about MCN, right? <laughs> he he said to me. He said, I don't want to just stand there and read my jokes off a bit of paper, which he, he had his crib sheet. He said, I, yeah. I, want, I want to talk to the audience. I said, okay, well, that's good. You know, chose initiative. I said, but, you know, be prepared to have some, you know, some stuff ready. And he went out and he's, he's, he's watched a couple of other people MC. And, you know, normally he would say, oh, what do you do for a living? He looked at this poor woman and he said, uh, have you got a job? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, she would, yeah. He said, "What is it?" <laughs> and uh, she said what it was. It was something to do with like research at the universities, like physics. And um, he just looked so lost. And uh, all of his mates want to be like YouTubers or something. And yeah. So, uh, he just looked at her and he goes, uh, "I don't know what that is." <laughs> <laughs> Bless him. He. Um, it was interesting because this is why he's talking about having things prepared because he then because he'd gone off the script. He couldn't find a way back into it. Yeah. Even even though he had the bit of paper in front of him, it was the, the rhythm had been upset, and the, he he was just on the cusp of putting the mic back in the stand. And he was he was apologising, said, "I'm sorry, I don't, I can't do it." And uh, so I just kind of scurried to the front, and I said, "I said no, I said don't." They said, "Just say, ladies and gentlemen, and whatever it was, the your next joke." I said, "Just go back into it," and he did, and he did really well. And he loves the praise. I mean, he's very um, receptive. But when he he came, the part of the reason he got into it was he he came to a gig with me, 
and he watched from the wings, like through a window outside on the balcony, and he watched me do a like closing show. And uh, it wasn't so much the comedy that he liked; it was the talking after, like okay. people, people coming up and saying, "Oh, that was really good. Your dad's funny, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And I think he just, I want a bit of that. <laughs> and, uh, and he he loves it now. His favourite bit seems to be hanging around after the gig, waiting by the door for people to come and go, oh, well done, well yeah. done. <laughs> well, yeah. in all fairness, in 10 years old, and I bet, obviously, seeing him for the first time perform, you must have been proud as fuck. <sighs> I was really proud, but I was so scared. Of course, I was of course. so scared, because I thought, if he gets, like, rabbit in the headlights, I'm just going to feel like the worst parent ever for having put him in that position. Yeah. But no, he was, I mean, thankfully it went really well. He came to Somerset with me, <laughs> a proper boys road trip. <laughs> um, we went down to Somerset, we did a gig. Uh, I was closing that night and he did a bit in the middle. I would say it was probably the worst one so far. I mean, the gig itself was lovely. Um, nothing wrong with the gig, but the worst reception. Yeah. He'd, but I, I do, I feel for the audience as well, because it's got to be a bit weird. You're not expecting it, a 10-year-old kid to come out and... I can imagine it, it. a little bit of pressure on the audience side of it to be like, yeah. uh, you know, as... I, I may not enjoy it, but at the same charitable. time... Charitable. Yeah, you've to got be to be charitable, because yeah. he's a 10-year-old boy, and yeah. he is, you know, pushing himself out there to get on stage and do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then again, as you say, luckily, he is funny, so it's not so much pressure for the audience to actually it, laugh at the material. He is funny. Um... He made me laugh. After his first gig, uh, there's a chap at Drones. Um, he's a regular Drones guy. Nice nice bloke. And he he said to Elliot after the show, he said, uh, he said, I thought you were very funny. And I thought, here comes the butt. He said, <laughs> he said, he said but um, he said, I, I think you need to, to slow down a bit. He said, I, I struggled to understand what you were saying, which was a fair comment. Yeah. But, I did, he probably didn't need to hear that after his. He, he, probably, <laughs> he didn't. He didn't want to hear any criticism. Yeah, it was his yeah. first gig, but it, it was a fair comment. I'm not. I'm not sort of disparaging the guy for saying so. But on the way out, <laughs> he looked up at me and he said, uh, "He said, do you, he was, I was polite then, but do you know what I wanted to say?'" <laughs> I said, "Go on. What did you want to say?" He said, uh, "I want to say it's you that needs to slow down, mate." <laughs> He's ten years old. It was my first gig. <laughs> yep, he sounds like a comic. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah. Honestly, that's so cool that you know. It's. I, I'm sure you guys were pretty close beforehand. Yeah, You've got yeah, that yeah. extra. Yeah, that extra thing to bond about. So, but it's funny. His brother's not interested at all. No, I know. I, I offered the same opportunity to his brother and like to help him write and stuff. But he's just not. I mean, talk about chalk and cheese. He he wouldn't even entertain the notion. But there we go. Elliot the youngest? Elliot's the youngest, yeah. 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 I, I don't know why I... I, <laughs> I was thinking, do I have a point to follow <laughs> that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course he's the youngest, yeah, yeah. that's why. But I'm the youngest and I do comedy. But yeah. then again, my brother is a musician and a singer in a band, so he All also right. likes to get up on stage. What's the band called? Oh, God, which one? Uh, he is <laughs> in... Uh, he's the front man of the uh, desert doomstone rock band Sigaria. Uh, they're fucking brilliant. What's Desert Doom? What's that? Kind of like psychedelic, big, okay. fuzzy, blues influence kind of metal. But right. not really like metal. It's more okay. rock. Um, he plays guitar and does vocals in a band called Sons of Thunder. Also brilliant. Uh, there is... 
Hoodoo, which is yeah. a band. They, they were Marshland Massacre, then Tabla Rasa, then broke up for ages, then came back as Marshland Massacre and are now Hoodoo. Yeah. And there's been about 18 revolving different members of this band, including myself at one point. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, they're all like uh, his band Cigaria, uh they you know, they actually do have the what's the word I'm looking for? The the momentum now. They're getting okay, yeah. really, really good openings uh slots. There's and I'm I'm not sure if you're much of a like a doom metal fan. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um there's this band Iron I, li- I like Joni Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, you you're not gonna like Iron Monkey. But there's yeah. a band Iron Monkey who reformed and they were, you know, like seminal back in the yeah. day. Uh, they reformed, and my brother's band were the tour support, like the main tour support okay, for yeah. their entire return tour, and like playing sold out, like uh, the Underworld in Camden and things like that. Right. So, <laughs> you know, it's going well for them, but at the same time, as I say, it's I, you, you'll hate me for saying this, but I, I find like death metal hilarious. I, oh, so do I. I'm a whole... massive black metal fan, yeah. but a lot of my early fascination in it was just like. This is fucking bonkers. <laughs> have, have you have you spoken to Paul Scoble? No, it's someone I've always wanted to get on the show because he is a, a oh, massive man. Massive, head. yeah, he loves it. But no, I I used to have a friend. I still still have got a friend. Don't, Lucky don't, you. Don't want to don't want, don't want to sound like I'm showing off. <laughs> um, but he was a big metal metal fan, and uh, I used to I'd look through his CD collection. I would just laugh. He made me buy a record like a seven inch vinyl record of him years ago uh, a band that he liked and was trying to because there's a bit of a community in there with death metal and they kind of plug each other's stuff it's a bit like comedy i suppose yeah um <clears throat> but the he said oh well i he made me buy this single he guilt tripped me into it <laughs> <laughs> and uh i took it home and it was the worst thing i've ever heard is like the barking and the you know, yeah yeah but the name I've never forgotten it. It was um, "Prophecy of Doom," was the name of the band, and the song was called "Calculated Mind Rape." <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, wow, yeah. That is a, honestly some of the song names are absolutely fantastic, and just honestly, what's really interesting is looking at like the history of <laughs> early Norwegian black metal. Mm-hmm. All those guys did was just murder. Like they literally yeah. would murder each other and burn down churches. It's fucking insane. Sepul Sepultura. Sepultura. That was, that was a band I remember being quite prominent. They Brazilian, were they? Yeah. yeah. I love Sepultura. Yeah. We a bit of knowledge since I'm not into it. Yeah. Well, there we go. It's it's because I'm assuming what? if you've ever seen images of them, Max Cavalera had the Brazilian flag on his guitar. All right. <laughs> what, what 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 can you tell me about Joni Mitchell? Now? Uh, my dad. Likes her, I assume. <laughs> that's, that's, you're telling me something about your dad there. <laughs> uh, I. Uh, that's the thing. I, you know, I always say, oh, I like metal. I listen to metal uh, and punk. But I did. Have you seen that Spotify rap thing you can do at the end of the year? And it shows you your play statistics. Right. I did that. And as a metalhead, yeah. my top five artists were uh, King Cruel, Kendrick Lamar, and Open Mike Eagle, which is all right. essentially hip hop. A band called Ghost, who are a metal band in air quotes, but very theatrical, and the B fifty twos. All right, okay. really not much yeah. like I like the B fifty twos. Not not much metal in there at all. But no, Joni Mitchell is something that has escaped me. Well, get onto check. it; it'll relax you. Okay, I will do that. If at the same time you go home and listen to a band called Municipal Waste, no chance. Yes, Municipal Waste, <laughs> the best band ever, and that's what I'm going to plug this episode: the music right. of Municipal Waste. Um, okay. So, on that note, uh, 
Rob Hughes, thank you so much for coming in and being my co-host. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been fun. Uh, if you'd like to get more of the the Most Best Podcast, you can get us on Twitter, Instagram, and whatever the other one is at Most Best Podcast. Uh, email us at mostbestpodcast at gmail dot com. And apart from Facebook, that's the <laughs> one. That's all oh, that thing I spend sixty percent of my time on. Uh, but apart from that, Rob, thanks for coming down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.